Get your hands dirty with the Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Classic hits at Coast FM, kicking off the Gardening Gang this morning, waiting for a start of fall. The band is called Boy Meets Girl. And around our way, Sherilyn, we're waiting for the fruit to fall. Yes, the fruit is coming down. It is citrus time. Yay! Here comes the citrus. It's all <laughs> over the central coast. It's everywhere. It's a yummy time to be here. I've got a neighbour with a lovely range of trees in the front yard. And he's always said, pluck what you want to pluck. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing some plucking. He's been away. <laughs> he mightn't have noticed when he came back. Oh. Uh, a couple of lemons, a couple of oranges. Mm-hmm. And also somebody bestowed on the Coast FM kitchen a whole bunch of locally grown mandarins. Yeah. Now, the young ones haven't been that keen to take them. They're looking at them and going... Oh, not quite the same look of those Woolies ones. No. And then no. someone tried one out and said, oh, they're lovely. Oh, beautiful, juicy mm. mandies. Mm. So they were snapped up in no time. And we do have beautiful citrus on the coast. It is Pretty easy to grow it here. And we're talking to a few of the local growers during the show today, getting a few of their tips as well. And also from one of the big juicing companies, one of the local success stories. You know, I've also got a couple, I've also got a couple of uh, stories too about the early days, because I've been on the coast for 50 years, I think, now, mm-hmm. uh, about the early days of the citrus industry here on the coast. For those who are new to the Central Coast, you wouldn't believe the change in the kind of approach to rural supplies that's occurred over the last 50 years, mm. one of which, of course, is the citrus industry. It, yeah, it is. And it all indicates that if you've got a home garden, you can easily grow citrus in your garden. A lot of these citruses can be grown in pots as well, so fear not. There's lots of dwarf citrus as, around as well. And there's a lot coming into the nurseries that you can pick up and plant as well. Coming up in just a tick, I've got a gentleman who's going to talk about an idea that you might like to be able to use over the holiday. <laughs> Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy on this Saturday morning. A quick weather check from the Mangrove Mountain Pete's Ridge. What is it there, uh, Tim? What temperature you got, mate? Eight, <laughs> yeah, nine, <look> seven? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's been that way all week, so I think it may have warmed up a little bit today. On the line, we've got uh, Tim uh, Kemp up at... Um, Pete's Ridge. Pete's Ridge, yes. Uh, now, Tim... You're talking about the activities on your farm as it relates to the citrus industry. Mm. Is that right? Yes. Yes, that's it. We grow citrus and also avocados, but, yeah, citrus as well. Look at that. We got excited then. Pete and I just looked up and went, avocados. You see, as citrus has gone backwards, farms have been planted throughout Australia with the avocados. Oh, yeah, I suppose they have a, so. There's a symphony of uh, fruit there. Oh, well, Tim, they're two of my favourite things, <laughs> citrus and avocados. Yeah. So is, yeah. the, is the citrus industry like dead and buried up there, mate, or is it uh, still thriving in, in in terms of your operation? Yeah, look, in terms of our operation, it's thriving pretty well. I think the industry generally is probably somewhere in between the two. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, it's definitely not as big as it used to be um, 30 or 40 years ago, that's for sure. There's not, not as many orchards up here. But the ones that are here are fantastic. Um, been going for a long time, most of them. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and, and at this time of year, the citrus is absolutely delicious. And when did your farm start, Tim? Yeah, we started um, at the end of the First World War and my grandfather actually took over in the mid-20s from his brothers. So he had older brothers. Mm-hmm. He took over a full 200 acres in, um, in the mid-20s. So it's been directly in our family since then. Yeah, you said the Kemp family is very well known up there on the, uh, on the plateau. Very well known. 
Uh, I came yeah. to the coast back in the 70s, mate, and uh, this was a huge Valencia area. From memory, I think it was Valencia's, and they yeah. had the packing house in Gosford, mm-hmm. and they That's had uh, fruit um, uh, transportation systems uh, down there in uh, in Man Street. It was just extraordinary the way the fruit uh, carried, you know, like some towns existed on the back of the uh, the sheep. This place right. existed on the back of the uh, the fruit trees. The citrus. It was. Yep, sheep. definitely. So no, do you... delicious. And, uh, yeah, the Valencia's in, on, on the coast are just so, uh, really good. They use them mainly for juice. But, um, yeah, and th- that back then was before the Brazilian import started. So mm. things were really thriving and the, the imports sort of killed the industry a bit because mm. it was Valencia juice that they were mainly using. But um, it's hard to beat um, fresh Valencia in the summertime, that's for, sure, that's for sure. Did you guys do your own juicing? No, we used to supply the fruit for the juicing, yeah. We used mm. to put, supply the old Senko factory at Mangrove and, um, yeah, in Gosford Packing House. So, yes, still producing some beautiful citrus at the moment. But we do use um, a lot of organic um, inputs and mm-hmm. a lot of organic practices as well. Uh, the citrus is all insecticide-free. Um, so, yeah, we, we try to minimise our use, is, is probably the best way to put it. Excellent. And can we, can the general public visit your farm? Today? Like 100%. To the, oh, we can. We can. We'll jump in the car yeah, after the absolutely. show. <laughs> yeah. Come up. Come up. We, um, we de- we're, uh, you'd have to look at our website, which is miliorafarm.com.au. Mm-hmm. Um, we open twice a month, so on the weekends. Um, yeah, so it's, it's only twice a month because we actually run the farm full time and want to get maybe one or two weekends a month off. That's a bit of a break. <laughs> yes. But, um, other than that, no, we're, we're open um, on, in the middle and at the uh, last full weekend of the month. And if there's any confusion or doubt, just have a look at our website. We're open last weekend and we're open next weekend. So, unfortunately, yeah, you'll have to wait just one week. Oh, okay. One more week, Sherilyn. Bring your gumboots next week. I will, and I'm hoping... It'll be worth the wait. Can we... It'll be worth the wait. The um, navels are so delicious at the moment. And we've got a variety of lemon that are seedless. So, seedless Eureka lemons. Mm. So you can come up and get the lemons for the fish that you catch and don't have to worry about the seeds. Oh, there you go. And so you can pick your own on your farm. 100%. 100%. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, we, we um, come up and grab a bag and go for a wander and, and if the weather's beautiful, which it, we've been lucky lately and the weather's mm. been pretty good, um, yeah, people can wander around the farm and take as long as they like and, and pick as much fruit as they like as well. Just thinking, Tim, there's a lot of talk about shortage of uh, labour for uh, restaurants and farms and, the you know, the uh, uh, itinerant workers. Are you facing the same issues there at uh, Meliora Farm? Yeah, look, it's not as bad as it was coming out of COVID for us. Mm. Um, we're getting with the with our website, we're actually getting quite a few inquiries from backpackers and that that yeah. type of thing. So that, yep. that's kind of handy, but it, it is a problem for the industry generally, hundred percent. It's it's a real a big issue. But um, and and that's one of the reasons too. If people come up and pick your own, that means I don't have to worry about picking. It. So that's a good point. Come up and do it. Now I believe that Sherilyn Darcy's got great skills in that area, so <laughs> she'll bring her picking basket next Saturday. Absolutely, come and come and pick some fruit and um, enjoy a bit of a that's wander so around the farm. It's, it's a beautiful place to wander around, and and the, like I say, the navels are just delicious. At My the mouth's watering. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great activity to do with the family, especially kids, so they can see where their produce comes from and. 
hang around a farm for a while. Get them off the video games. Yeah. Oh, the gardening gang. Have a chat to us. Oh. We're more than, more than happy to have a chat to people. That's one of the reasons why we're doing it. Oh. Well, the gardening gang today, the theme is uh, citrus on the central coast, and you certainly filled us in there on a bit of history of the yeah. and how well things are going because I know a lot um, have closed down over the years, but you've got uh, a mixed farm there. With uh, the old Abbey's coming on as well, which is, uh, uh, I think, very sustainable product as well. Mm. Yeah, we're, we're a month or so away from the avocados. Mm. But, um, yeah, that, they'll be available for pick your own as well. But oh. Probably not till the end of August. Bring in my toast. Get two trips up there, <laughs> Sherwin. <laughs> um, well, uh, Tim, thanks for your time today. Nice to catch up and... Uh, you now become one of the honorary garden gangsters. Oh, you know there that? he goes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> All the best. I, feel, I do feel honoured. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done there to uh, Tim uh, Tim Kemp at the Meliora Farm. At yes. Peach Ridge. Ridge. And we'll put the details up about that farm and the links on our website on coastfm.org.au. Coast FM Saturday morning with the Gardening Gang. And it's all being sponsored too by our good friends at Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs. Open all weekend at uh, Wyoming, opposite the shopping centre there. And also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. Coast FM with the Gang, every Saturday morning, 8 till 10. Do you have a... Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy. Over the last couple of days, Cheryl, and I've been checking the temperature gauge on the coast, mm-hmm. and the coolest part of the coast is where? Oh, it's where we're going next, yes. Mangrove Mountain. Mangrove Mountain. And we've got uh, the lovely Vanessa Patterson on the line, uh, who's uh, got a lovely nursery up there. At, uh, when I say up there, yes, it's up there from mm. where we are sitting at the moment. Good morning to you, Vanessa. Good morning. Cold morning today. Chilly. Yeah, very chilly up here. So do you wear your mittens today or not? No, your hands are covered in dirt most of the oh, day. Oh, they're tuffies up there. They are up in the, in the mountains. So Vanessa Patterson is from Apunga Native Nursery and we've been talking about citrus all morning. But you know what, Pete? There's also Australian native citrus. There is. I've heard of a finger lime. That's about all I'd know about in terms of Australian native citrus. Apart from yeah, our neighbour a- who's got just... You know, Origin. ordinary ones, oh, ordinary okay. limes. Limes, okay. Uh, now, help us out there, uh, Vanessa. What What's the nature of a finger lime? Okay, so when we grow finger limes, we generally grow them from a cutting. Oh. Um, yeah, it's um, a good way to get um, them to fruit in about one to three years rather than if you grow a native finger lime from seed, they can take up to about 15 years to oh, fruit. You haven't got that patience, Pete. I'll no. be dead by then. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I'll be six foot under. Oh, nothing for you, GMT. And, and so in your experience, because I know you do that you do all natives there, do they grow well on the central coast? Yeah, they certainly do. I've got a couple in my garden. We've mm-hmm. got a couple up here at the nursery planted. Mm-hmm. If I yeah. was to ask you how they taste... To the tongue, are they like an ordinary lime or a citrusy taste? Could you give us a quick radio description of what if I chomp into a finger lime, what bursts of flavour will I get, Vanessa? <laughs> well, you do get little bursts because they're kind of instead of the little segments in a normal lime, you they're balls like caviar kind of. Thing. Oh yes, I got you and, right. Yeah. yeah, so you've got like little lime juice bursts of. 
tapioca. <laughs> right, and the and the actual flavour, if you made a comparison with a regularly known lime, was it similar or somewhat different? It is similar. It's a little bit more tart, um, mm. I think. Um, you can get variations, but yeah, I'd say they're quite similar, but yeah, a little bit more sour. So if we're growing them, do we need to do anything special, anything different? Because it, it would be a difference, I can tell already, the fact that they're native. They wouldn't be growing them the same they, as a well, regular they love the lime. Cold. Yeah, they, they they love like, the cold. But is there anything in particular we need to take care of if we're growing them in our home garden, do you think? Look, they're pretty easy to look after. Um, I recommend watering them well, keep them in full sun, and a bit of mulching around the base of the plant just mm-hmm. to keep the moisture in. If you use a comfrey kind of mulch, it's really high in potassium and phosphorus, which the native plants like. And right. try and keep nitrogen levels down because, um, yeah, the, the natives don't keep the really ni- like Keep the nitrogen levels. down, did keep, you say? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. right. Or native ones. Now, I've got uh, neighbours at Saratoga who have got a lovely crop of uh, limes and lemons and whatnot, and they're about to harvest. They're all, at the moment, we're worried about the uh, the birds getting on, but uh, what's the kind of year of, what's, what's, what's the season for harvesting of these uh, finger limes, Vanessa? Yeah, the finger limes, they are around sort of the same time. Yep. Yeah. Yep, so you could be harvesting them now. And are they expensive at, uh, at retail level or are they... They I mean, are. They're yeah. pretty sought after for the gourmet oh, industry. okay. You know, bush tucker is all the trend at the moment and there's heaps of, you know, Australian bush food. So that's sort of one of the top in the market, the yeah. finger lime. A good uh, investment, Pete, uh, would you garden. Would you expect to pay yeah. like 10 bucks a kilo? What's the what's the going price at a, at a market, oh, look, you reckon? I'm not actually sure for the fruit. But um, you probably pick up um, a finger lime at a nursery um, from anywhere between forty-five to sixty dollars for one? one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! I'm shocked, surprised, <laughs> and uh, now I'm very much educated on the value of these things. Quite okay, well, if you're going to sell it, what would you sell it for? Just one piece? I don't know how much a finger lime would got, be. Uh, do you sell them X, yeah. uh, X, um, X Farm or do you have a on a box there? <laughs> <laughs> how do you work it there, Vanessa? Well, we don't sell the fruit ourselves. We just sell the plant. Ah, so comprende. Now i got the picture. Okay. So, so you're the smart one. Yeah. yeah, they're a wholesale nursery as well. So we just want to put that in. So don't, don't go up knocking on the door of Vanessa's fucking <laughs> nursery. Yep. They're a wholesale. So you, would you be able to find their plants in other nurseries, I'm sure, around the, the place? We can sell to the public, but it has to be by appointment only. So if you want to drive all the way up to Mango Mountain and see Vanessa Patterson and the, and the crew there, uh, well, it might be uh, this weekend, or do you do uh, by I'll appointment? By appointment. I tell you, it's okay. by appointment, and make sure you take your mittens and and a coat. <laughs> okay. okay, right. Well, <laughs> Vanessa, we've got you there, and cheers, uh, be good talking to you today for the first time on the Gardening Gang. So, yeah. uh, thanks for being a great, uh, great sport and filling us in on the world of the finger limes. Been good. Thanks, Vanessa. No Right, no worries. All the best there. Vanessa there. Vanessa Patterson on The Gardening Gang this morning, Coast FM. At home with The Gardening Gang, Coast FM 963.
Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy on this Saturday morning. Our theme today is citrus. And Sherilyn, you were a bit young to understand that back there when I first came to town with my rucksack on my back oh my and uh, yeah, holding my shoe back in 1971. Riding a horse because there weren't cars then. Uh, the Central Coast was huge on citrus. Oh. Uh, there were companies called Sun Gold was one of the mm-hmm. uh, you know, packaging company. There were Mr. Juicy was made oh. on the coast. Okay. And the big fruit area it was. Mm. Lemons, uh, I think uh, lemons, oranges, that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah. Citrus. citrus. There's and even a street, in, a street in Gosford called Just Fruit Drive. Well, I've just heard a voice in the distance <laughs> <I> here. <do. laughs> Can you hear that? He's standing by to tell us more about the fruit world on the coast today. Dominic Lentini from East Coast Beverages. G'day, Dom. Hey, nice hey, to have Dom. you on board today, mate. Hey, good morning. Hey, Dom, you are part of the modern uh, citrus industry today, and I I think it may have been, if you're about third generation, I'm sure your grandfather may have been here in those days I was talking about back in the 60s and 70s when the fruit industry was huge. Would that be a correct assumption? Oh, 100%. Yeah, he was um, a founder of uh, our farm up at Colnura. So basically, he started out as a little market gardener and grew citrus for a living. They also started with growing a number of vegetables as well. Back in the day, there would have been, I imagine, you know, 30, 40 big citrus orchards on the coast. How come you guys are kind of the last man standing? We've been fortunate enough up at Colnura, we're about a thousand feet above sea level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're on a um, sandstone plateau of rock, which is quite the sandy loom soil, mm-hmm. which actually grows really good citrus up there. Unfortunately, sometimes the citrus itself can have some blemishes or marks on it, although the juice inside is really good because we couldn't always market our product as a um, shelf product for like coals and woolies or somewhere like that. Uh-huh. The marks on it, we actually found out the juice was, was really good inside the fruit. Now, that's the reason why, back in the day, I was just referring to the history of uh, citrus on the coast. It was mainly for juicing fruit, uh, Sherilyn. It wasn't oh. so much for the uh, the woolies and all those. The Riverland area in uh, South Australia, that was very big. That's the citrus. And uh, yeah. that's mainly for the, uh, for the table. Now, the juicing process, Dom... Uh, yeah. Has that always been your bag, like the machinery? Uh, really. and it, No? What? Uh, it, it came on later on. Um, yeah. We obviously had some tough times, as you described earlier, when the uh, government took all the tariffs off for concentrating a lot of imports coming from overseas. Yep. And we, we decided, because we couldn't get much for our fruit, to eventually juice our own. So that's how we're able to take it to the next level and basically fight through it and make our own products. You know, like it's surprising it. when you uh, <laughs> have these small properties that uh, grow and become so successful, mm. the big players like the Coca-Colas and all these, you know, yeah. they'll try and make a bid to try and put you out of business or absorb you in. Have you had many offers to uh, to sell out? You... <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> For millions, mate. It must be tempting. Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, sometimes I'll walk into a place and see a, uh, a Coca-Cola fridge and a rep there and... Uh, they kind of look at me a bit funny. Why? Uh, <laughs> I think they're feeling the pinch a little bit sometimes. Oh. Maybe. So you guys have got a product that's uh, competitive in price, doesn't rely on overseas essences or uh, concentrate, as you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. It's, fresh, it's local and it's fresh. It's obviously, all our citrus products are Australian. 
they're all grown in New South Wales and squeezed on site where one of our orchards are. And we have a number of varieties throughout the year that supply us with fresh juice. So we have um, obviously lemon juice from a Eureka lemon. There's a lime, mm-hmm. a Tahitian lime that we grow. Mm-hmm. We have um, three or four, three different or four different varieties of oranges. So you've got a Valencia that grows through the summer periods of Valencia. Uh-huh. And throughout your winter is a, a navel. And there's also a late lane navel. I've got to say that the reason I gravitated towards your brand sitting in the fridge was that it's Central Coast. I did. I was like, this is a local brand. I had no idea for a while living here that, that East Coast Beverages was local. And that's why I picked up my first bottle because I thought, you know, I like to support I local. I thought it might have been a dollar off deal or something. <laughs> no, that's what it is. That's what it was. I was just like, this is fantastic. It's local. It's squeezed locally. So all the things that he's saying really, really resonated with me. And I was really excited about that. So I'm sure that goes a long way. But when you're talking about varieties, I've just had a little peek at your website here and I am so intrigued spiced apple juice well Emily that actually is our coordinator yeah she has a little bit of an American background so it's full Aussie apple, apple juice which was really nice and obviously it's got a spice of cinnamon and you can have it either warm or cool worked for me too I've tried it and I was just like wow it's definitely something unique that I've never come across before and it's it is a winter warmer if you heat it up. Mm. Um, a, a chef actually just tried it the other day with me, and I don't know why, but he just decided to put it straight in the microwave in a cup and a mug and oh, tried okay. it. And he, loved, he, lo- he loved it. Okay. Some of my American friends well, put rum in it. Definitely good for a cocktail bar. Now, Dominic, is it all family working in the business, or is it you employ many outside uh, families to work w- with the East Coast Beverage operation? Yeah, well, just recently in the last couple of years, um, our parents actually retired, so they all worked in the business. Um, there's three brothers originally and their wives, and they all worked in the business, mm-hmm. but they've just finished uh, working for East Coast and have now retired, and a son of each son are still in the family business. Okay. So yeah, so there originally was my father, which is Frank, the eldest of three brothers, and then there's my cousin Sam, and his father is Mick, which is the second eldest brother. Mm-hmm. And then there's Samuel's father, which is also called Sam. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> been passed on from generation to generation. <laughs> Absolutely too. Yeah. Do you invite people to the farm gate? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. We um, we bring all different types of groups through for um, tours throughout the factory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we obviously schedule them in or book them in. Um, yeah, we do a number of all different types of tours, and we also can do a farm tour through the farm. Just recently, we had uh, the Harvest Festival, and oh, we yes. have supposedly hit record numbers, which was... Oh, wonderful stuff there. Oh, well, that's a great news, mate. It is fantastic to see a local um, rural producer uh, doing so successfully on the wider Australian market. No, thank you very much. Dominic Lantini uh, talking to us today from uh, George Downs Drive at Calnura, the home of the East Coast Beverage Operation. Yeah. Hey, Dom, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks, Dom. You're welcome. Anytime. Come right. up sometime. What, we will. We will. Get I some of that spiced it. apple. <laughs> Coast FM, this is the Gardening Gang. Enjoying our East Coast this morning, aren't we? We are. <laughs> I do I, do I.
Pete Little and Sharon Darcy, another bouncy Saturday morning with all the beauties of the world at my feet. We've got Sheldon Darcy to my left. Thank you. And on the phone right now, we've got the lovely What's Hot Vicky mm. from the Rara Valley Nursery. Good morning, Vic. Morning. Good morning. How are you both oh, today? Good. Uh, now, Vic, uh, another week on the Central Coast. Um, Sherilyn's got a really, well, she tells me she's got a very interesting gardening game today, the true or false game. So hang around for that. Mm-hmm. Cannot the, wait. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, in the meantime, talk about what is hot in the nursery world at the moment. My dear? Well, it's a great time of the year to grab a bargain and Burbank House and Garden at Erin Heights have 30 to 75% of all homewares and ornaments. Next door at the Wildflower Meadow, you'll find they are packed to the rafters with beautiful flowering natives that'll keep the native pollinators very happy. Mm-hmm. And heading north to Forest's Beach Garden Centre, you'll find some lovely lush lavenders, another pollinator's dream. And Lee Rowan's Garden World will give you 25% off all roses until the end of July, so hurry in before your favourite variety is gone. Oh, my goodness. I love roses. I'm off. See ya. <laughs> yeah, yeah Darcy's yeah. leaving the door now. <laughs> yeah, she's on the way. Now, get back. Sheldon, come back. They'll be there tomorrow. Have no fears. Hear the door slamming and the wheels burning. <laughs> That's right. In a new BMW. Now, what we're going to do is now ask you about what is happening at Narara Valley Nursery. Well, this is very hot because hot in our garden centre this week is our end of financial year sale. Save 20% off all full-price items such as pots, plants, bird baths, water features, potting mixes and more. Sale ends on the 31st of July, so you've got plenty of time to not miss out. Now, it's not all roses in the gardening world. What about those things that we've got a bit of a downer on, the negative side of the gardening industry? Oh, my goodness. So not hot is definitely the frost this week. It has been so cold here at the nursery that you could actually ice skate on our water bowl. (laughs) They were frozen over one morning. It was hilarious. (laughs) And some of our plants have also been knocked about in the nurseries too. So if you know there's a frost coming up, make sure that you get out there and you know how to protect your plants. And if you already have frost-affected plants, don't prune them back now. As tempting as it is, wait until the last frost is well and truly behind you and then you can prune it back and give it a fertilise. Well, there it is. A little tip from Vic this morning. Now let's turn our thoughts to that uh, magnificent uh, game we play every Saturday. The game we play, which is the gardening game Fact or Fib. All right. I'm so excited this game's back. And I got a bit of flack because <laughs> last week's question wasn't very good. But I've got a citrus question for you today. It is citrus day today. It is yeah. citrus day today. Mm-hmm. So here we go. I love, I don't know about you, Vicky, but I love South Korean skincare and makeup. I just love it. It's my new obsession. And I found another Ooh. obsession out of South Korea that's citrus. They love their citrus as well. So much so that they breed a certain type of citrus fruit and it's called the decopone. Really? Mm-hmm. And the decopone, <laughs> I probably not. Related to Al Capone? <laughs> no, it's the decopone, decopone and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong because I'm not from South Korea. I know Korea. there's an iPhone. 
Then there's a D no. phone. Okay. It is the most expensive citrus in the world. Oh. And they make it, they breed it in South Korea, and it requires a very complicated, time-consuming cultivation process, which is sort of why it's a bit expensive as well. It's grown in humidity, and the temperature is controlled in glass houses, and people, the South Koreans, very carefully watch it, and they wait until right the right time to pick it. And it's kind of, it's a cross between an orange and a mandarin. That's mm-hmm. it. Then once they pick it, they get the decapone and they stick it into special sort of like little cribs they are and they mm-hmm. very much look after it and they wait for 40 days exactly and because that's when the acidity drops down and they're perfect to eat. Now they're very, very expensive. They actually retail for, they only sell them in six packs for about eighty to a hundred dollars for six of these decapones. Mm-hmm. Okay, right, decapones pretty dear, huh? Mm-hmm. So, is this fruit? <laughs> is this fruit real or not? Is it a factor of? Oh, fib? factor of fib. Is Look, this whole fruit? I, can I throw my ten cents worth in first, Vic? May mm-hmm. I do that? Yep. Okay, I I mean, these people in South Korea are very up-to-date market. I mean, they've got some marvellous inventions like the Kia car and things like that. Anyway, so I'm surprised if that would be a lie. I'm thinking that might be true. You think it's true? I think it's a fact. Okay. What about you, Vic? Uh I was totally thinking the same as you, Pete. I feel like if anyone's going to have expensive citrus in six packs, it's going to be South Korea. (laughs) I'm laughing, but you're both completely correct. There you go. It's true. It was first cultivated in 1972, and it's said to be the perfect combination of an orange and a mandarin, and it's now considered perhaps the best orange in the world, and it's the The sweetest. The dearest, too. It's the dearest, the sweetest, and the best. I wonder if the no. boys from East Coast Beverages are going to put I don't know. plant these they up should. there in Calnura. Yeah, yeah. I can talk to Dominic it. about that. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, they're an amazing thing. So maybe they should. Maybe they should. <laughs> well, there you go, Vic. We're pretty much on the ball there today. You're both up there. Uh, Yay, that's thanks excellent. for being part of the show, mate. Yay. We'll catch you. <laughs> You're welcome, yeah, mate. Okay. We'll catch you next week. There's, what hot, there's What's Hot Vicky from the Rara Valley Nursery. A feature of our Saturday morning's gardening gang. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) The gardening gang are on the road. Where are we going, Sherilyn? To Floriard in Canberra to broadcast the Coast FM Gardening Gang show live from Australia's biggest floral display, September 22nd to 24th. Count me in. Everyone can join us. Get on board. It's a fully escorted tour over three exciting days, including additional garden visits, accommodation and most meals. And who are the escorts? We are, Pete. If you'd like to join us, hurry and book now. Call Palmer's Tours 4325 8000. Get your hands dirty with the Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Terry at East Gosford, very keen to hear that track there by Eddie Rabbit. He's taking off on a big journey today. Good on you, mate. And there it is, driving my life away with Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. It is the Gardening Yank today, being sponsored by Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs, open all this weekend, and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. Sherilyn Darcy, my friend yes. and... Bo in the garden. <laughs> no, you're not a bow. 
buddy. It is time to hear the bell. Now, the mm. bell of excellence is calling, Sherilyn. I know. Because they're beckoning you to give us the, um, shall we say, the, the hands dirty segment. That's right. Okay. Well, first we'll get the, up, <laughs> time to get your hands dirty and get the dirt as well. It is the first Saturday of the month today, and that means the Bado Bay Community Garden is hosting the Long Jetty Produce Swap. It starts at 10 o'clock, runs to 11 o'clock. You can, char- you can share your chemical-free edible produce and creations from your garden. Come together with like-minded locals and new friends. It's an opportunity to share that produce, knowledge and skills locally and find out what grows best here. It's a great group of people. I've been down there a couple of times to say hello. Fantastic. Feel free to drop in and have a chat to see what it's all about. And the Baddo Bay Community Garden is there behind the Baddo Bay Square Shopping Centre. Lovely time. Tomorrow for the kiddies, it's the Christmas in July workshop at Burbank at Saddles at Mount White from 1pm. Get into the festive spirit with their exciting and creative kids' Christmas terracotta pot workshop. Let the little ones unleash their artistic talents in the garden and create beautiful personalised Christmas decorations that will add a special touch to holiday celebrations. Everything's provided, but bookings are a must. Phone Burbank at Saddles on 4370 1010. All right. In your garden, you can plant the following right now. Culinary herbs, artichokes, broad beans, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbages, cauliflower, cress. You can still get some of that garlic in, but you can definitely get kohlrabi in. We live on the beautiful central coast, and that means year-round we can pretty much grow lettuce, mustard, onions, peas, shallots can go in as well at the moment, and so can spring onions, silver beet, spinach, and... A couple, couple of bulbs can go in, but we're pretty much off them now. But if you want some flowers, you can put in some calendula, candy tuff, Canterbury bells, carnations, columbines, cornflowers, delphiniums, dianthus, everlasting daisies, especially all those beautiful Aussie natives. Forget-me-nots, foxgloves, gypsophila, hollyhock, honesty, larkspur, nigella, pansies, popular, primula, snappy snapdragon, status stock and... Mm, so up to the last couple of weeks of popping in those beautiful sweet peas. Are they really called snappy snapdragons? Or yeah, I call them just that. call them that? Snappy snap I thought snap. it might be another breed of snapdragons. <laughs> snappy snapdragons. I want, I want someone to breed them and name them <laughs> snappy snapdragons. <laughs> We're talking about someone who had a bad time this week, Madonna. Oh, has been rushed to yes. I like Madonna's work and her music and I all love that. Her. What love happened her. to Madonna? Is she back out of hospital yet? She's back out of hospital resting at home, Pete, but she had a terrible bacterial infection. She had a low-grade fever for quite a few weeks while she was rehearsing for her upcoming world tour and ended up in the ICU, which is pretty scary and according to reports incubated as well. Not incubated, incubated. Is she older than Kylie now? Yes. She Madonna, is. I think Madonna's about 62. Oh, I think that's okay. what she yeah, is. She's certainly older than Kylie. Yeah, but she is resting. And if you have got tickets, I'm not sure if they went on sale here yet. I don't think they did because I would have bought a ticket. I love Madonna. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, look, the tickets, ticket sales will be on it, they said, and they're give, giving new dates soon. She's resting. She'll have a, a 100% recovery. So all the, I'm not a Swifty, I'm a Madonna girl. So all of us Madonna lovers, don't okay, worry, Madonna she'll be back. lovers, thank you, Cheryl. Here's one for you. Oh, yeah. Angel.
Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy. We're talking citrus today, but we'll take a break from that, Cheryl, mm-hmm. because two very, very effervescent ladies have worked uh, a long time on the Central Coast in terms of some gardening activities. Are joining us this morning, Anna Trigg and uh, Sandy Isles, who have been guests of the radio show in the past, mm-hmm. and these stars put together the annual Edible Garden Trial. Yes. Yay! Yay! What a good event that was last year, was girls. Fantastic. What do you think there? Uh, it was so much fun. <laughs> this is the voice of Sandy, and the voice of Anna is... Over here. Okay, over there, <laughs> in stereo. Now, we've got a very important event today to announce, and that is the 2023 dates... I'm, I'm sure you're oh. here to tell us about <laughs> this year. Yeah. You haven't sort of closed it because no, COVID's over, have you? No, this no, okay. year the Central Coast Edible Garden Trail will be on the 21st and 22nd of October. Yay, I'm going to be away. No. No, 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 no. I tell you what, Pete, you can't be away because I know that Coast FM is the new media partner of the Edible Garden Trail as well and... They've invited you and I back to broadcast the so Garden So we're doing the radio well. show yes. on the Saturday morning. We are. We're broadcasting live from the trail. Okay, Thanks, well, I'll get my so diary out now and you. just jot that down carefully. <laughs> oh, I've got myself down for a swim that day, no. but I'll, I'll cancel that. <laughs> no, seriously, look forward to uh, joining you guys because, uh, wow, it was a terrific event last year. And how many people participated? Well, we had over 650 people over the weekend visiting yeah. about 36 gardens, I yep. think, in the end. Yep. Yeah. Wow. A number of community yeah. gardens, home gardens, market gardens right across the Central Coast from as high up as Summerland Point and Gwendolyn down to Kilcare in the south. Water that water truly water. is a Central Coast event, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's from, total. from north to yeah. south, out to the east there. Yeah, Jillaby. Uh, now, a little... Oh, of course, mm. very nice spot for gardens. Mm. Now, a little uh, bird also told me that as a result of the success of that, uh, you were able to sort of donate money back to uh, various garden events on the Central Coast. Um, now, listen, thinking about that, Anna, I would have thought that you'd, you'd conserve a few dollars for this year as well, but <laughs> obviously the, 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 the reserves are flowing over. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been so excited that we had, uh, yeah, we raised quite a lot of money from ticket sales and more than we expected in our first year. And so it meant that we could donate a whole lot of money back to the community. And so just in the last few weeks, we've donated $400 each to all the community gardens across the coast. And we've also been running a great program that um, Sue Bradley helped us put together um, with the facilitators, Kerry Anderson and Matt Sillivant, and they've been teaching workshops to um, people with a disability in community gardens yeah. across the coast all so all we term. know from the swamp yeah yeah okay. yeah. Mm. yeah and Kerry you might know from uh, we've had Kerry on yes yes, yeah. yes as yeah. well yeah and they're great facilitators and the workshops mm-hmm. have been really successful and really enjoyed and uh, and, and and joyous too yeah. that's <laughs> wonderful you, you know one of these one of the successes of these community events is people volunteer Yes. A bit like community radio. <laughs> it is. A so, lot like so it. do you ladies volunteer most of your time to put this on? We certainly do. We do. So what the hell do you get out of it? Some just the free food or something? No, or? it's just, it's so lovely 
to help build community and that's mm. what the biggest takeaway we had last year we you know we met so many amazing gardeners and visitors and we just feel like i don't know it just so yeah, it's a little a it's a personal reward warm community yeah. you know. work done yeah. Yeah. we're members of um permaculture central coast mm-hmm. and even that organization has been really reinvigorated yeah. by having this event and all these new people connecting with each yeah. other and being able to share their gardens with each other has changed the, the whole vibe. Yeah, it has. It has. So last year, on that note about permaculture, last year that was the theme. They were all permaculture gardens last year. Yeah. Is that going to be the same this year? Not necessarily permaculture, mm-hmm. but you're right, a lot of the gardens are permaculture, but mm-hmm. none of them use chemicals. Mm-hmm. That's, you know... It, we're about growing food naturally and, and safely. Think, that's lovely. And safely, yeah. And is there a theme at all this year? Or you... uh, diversity, I think, is probably the theme mm-hmm. we're going with this year. We're we're keen to um, bring in some gardens that grow some different food types. You know, okay. and, and and to be able to share different you know cultures of growing. When, <laughs> when you say cultures of growing, you, well, I'm just trying to work out what that means. Well. The, I recently met a woman from Peru who has a garden quite close to mine and she pointed to something which I didn't know was even really edible. I I call it that passion fruit miracle, tajitis. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm. And they make like a pesto sort of dish out of it. Oh, okay. And I was blown away. I thought, oh, all this time it's been sitting there and I could have been, you know. Eating it. Oh, that's the cross-culture. So so it's really lovely to meet people who are growing Mm -hmm. things that you've not come across before, Mm. that, you know, and, and how they present it, how they prepare it. So, yeah, we're really keen to sort of. So are you we're looking for more gardens to join we, you this year? We would love some more okay. gardens. So if people, uh, they enjoy gardening, we know your audience does, mm-hmm. and they grow um, fruit and vegetables in their garden that are without chemicals mm-hmm. and they're interested in opening the garden over the um, the weekend of the 21st and 22nd of October, we would love to have them along. All right. And how can they get in touch with there's you? There's a website. Ah, well, there's a website. Will, yes, the website will be up. On the Shortly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. they can email us right. at info at centralcoastedibletrail.org.au. All right. So they Let's can see. email Anna That's straightforward. and Sandy. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and we'll get in contact with them. Yeah. Oh, Anna and uh, and Sandy have joined us today to announce the official uh, date for the Edible Garden Trail, 21st, 22nd of October. And the national media partner is Coast FM Radio. How about that? I'm, I'm so excited. I'm very happy. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to our outside broadcast, which uh, we haven't found a garden yet. We are at Sandy's place last year. Uh, we might go back to Sandy's. We never know. We might go somewhere else. So we'll be broadcasting the Gardening Gang live from the Edible Garden Trail again. Very excited. Excellent. Well, that's a great announcement. And thank you for coming in this morning. We oh, certainly appreciate you taking us. the time. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's a great event. We'd love to be involved in it. Coast FM, this is the Gardening Gang. On this Saturday morning, Pete and Sherilyn and all the gang from the Edible Garden Trail. Thanks, guys. Thank Thank you. you. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. It is the Gardening Gang. Paul Mack uh, joins us uh, every week and talks about food on the Central Coast and restaurants. He's a restaurateur, Sherilyn. He is. You and I like a nice nosh occasionally. Sure do. Paul, you're from the UK. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, uh, it's okay. This is a uh, oh, very cosmopolitan radio show. Why? What motivated you to become in the get into the food game, like to be a restaurateur or a chef? Yeah, look, or I guess, a cooker. Uh, I don't know if I'm a restaurateur. I'm I'm certainly a cook. <laughs> what made me get into it? Well, was it McDonald's? Or was it? No, no, really. we didn't have McDonald's when I was. Oh, okay, um, well, you know, I'm getting along KFC. in the tooth now. Maybe, oh, no. maybe. We ha- we used to have a careers afternoon at school, and they'd say, "What do you want to be? A fireman, a builder, a architect, an engineer?" And I was like, "How many girls are in the cookery school? A cookery class?" <laughs> I just saw all of the, it was either the knitting, um, rural studies, or digging. So it was the testosterone that drove you to it. And I was like, what, what's that class there with all the girls in? That's home ec. I'll do that one then, thank you. I love it. And the rest is history. That's right. Talking about flavours that you've uh, uncovered over the years, uh, terms like uh, sweet and sour, mm. uh, salty, uh, what other ones? Uh, Sherilyn, that you've come across occasionally. It's that fancy one. I never pronounce oh. it properly. Um, you, Uman. Yeah, yeah. Look, that's. Really, I guess it's reasonably new. Yeah. Look, how, my, how do they fit into uh, modern cookery in Australia? Well, one of my roles is new product development for for big companies, mm. for lots of very mm. big companies, mm. and they'll come to me with a, a brief and say, "We want to do this. You, we need you to replicate this." It's usually a picture. Or oh, a, okay. Or Just a, a concept there. Or a list of ingredients or the way that... Or a mood board, fancy fancy mood board on, on how it will make you feel. And I have to um, develop that into a physical product. So let's say I'm working for, like, a big source manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they say, what we want to do is we want to make a barbecue sauce, but that reminds you of the Deep South. Okay. So my okay. job is to, is to go away and research. Get and more smokiness come, into it yeah, and all that and kind of stuff. Back yeah. And come back and work out how to develop flavours and how to explain. And I, honestly, like I don't think I'm doing anything different to any, any other chef would do, but I'm, I've been really lucky to be able to explain flavour to people mm. and replicate it. So I can taste something and then understand it. I'm looking into my... I know it's radio and you can't see this, but yeah. I'm looking into my food memories when I taste something, mm. I'm kind of cross-checking and referencing against all the other things I've ever eaten before. So you're thinking sort of like, I remember those ribs I had once in That's Melbourne. Right. That How I do I get that flavour? Okay, all right. So mate. I've fallen quite naturally into that, being able to replicate it and reproduce it mm. back to a client. Good. So they'll say to me, it needs to be... Clever stuff, man. Oh, oh, I don't know if it's clever. It's just, yeah. um, I don't like I said before, I can't do anything else. <laughs> so this is it. I've got one, I've got one skill. <clears throat> so um, they'll come to me invariably with um, descriptors, you know, mm. of how it needs to be. But it all falls around those five flavours in varying capacities. I like it. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about the um, the, the secrets of flavour, the sweet, the sour, the salty, the bitter, and, and the umami. Umami, that's right. Umami. <laughs> okay, Paul. They say that Australia's the land of plenty. Does that sort of figure in your uh, composition of food that you create for these uh, these clients, or is that a factor or not? Land of, explain to me. Well, does that make it easier because we've got so like fresh? Many they say Australian food is fresh. Because we've got so much uh, variety. Yeah, we've got tons. Yeah, look, sometimes I'm asked to write menus for for restaurants and um, menus are used, in my opinion, they're written from an ego perspective. Usually it's like chefs will look around 
and they'll go, what's cool? What's going to make mm. me look cool? And then write a menu and then go, okay, where do I find all of this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> where I, th- I honestly believe is that what should happen is that chefs should look up and look around and go, okay, what is around me? Mm-hmm. What's got the shortest food miles? What's fresh at the moment? What's the right thing to choose? So we're, we're on the ocean. You know, we're surrounded by citrus and avocado and seafood. And then oh. we, what you'll find I'm is salivating on, on um, people's menu, there's, there's fish that was caught in the Hawkesbury. Then it's gone up the M1 to the fish market <laughs> and then got back on, the, on, on a truck and then come back up. You know, instead of going, let's get some Glacier 51 toothfish on the menu, which is cool and funky and fresh, have a look around and see what the, yeah. the, the, you know, the local snapper and... I like that. I can imagine that really helping if I was at home thinking, you know, because it's like mind- mindfulness almost mm. around food. Like, I, I can't stop thinking. Honestly, <laughs> I'm looking you in the eyes. I can't stop thinking about food. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I'm think. I've, I've well, just I, eaten, and I'm thinking about my next really? meal. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I, I do the food at our place. I, I I produce the evening meal. Okay, on most occasions, and I think about that in the morning because I. What am I going to buy? And my wife says, oh, "You're always thinking about food. What, what, what's wrong with you?" I said, "You've got to plan ahead. Yeah. You can't just mm-hmm. walk into the kitchen at half four in the mm-hmm. afternoon and go, what am I going to mm-hmm. make?' Because mm-hmm. otherwise, you'll drag all your just your frozen stuff out and make a you know a quick." Well, I always like to have things on the go. Like mm. I, I like to, you know, have a chicken stock bubbling away and I like to have, you know, like a pesto made or a jam made or something that can add a little bit of something mm. in mm. my kitchen. That excites me. Paulie Mack joins us every week here at Coast FM. We talk a bit of rubbish. We're we talking about food, food, though. That's it's what it's all about. about it's all about food here at Coast FM. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Welcome. Paulie. Thank you. At home with the gardening gang. Coast FM 963. Coast FM 963, the station with the classic hits every Saturday morning. We get together, Sherlin and myself, Pete, mm-hmm. for the gardening gang. Welcome aboard, everybody. Doreen's just joined us because Doreen's got information galore about our markets for I the Central do. Coast this weekend. But. Before we start, Pete, can I say, well, there's a little bit of a stop press here. I took Doreen's advice and went for the very first time to the Long Jetty Markets last Ah. weekend because you can take dogs. And I took Sailor and Sailor's giving you, Doreen, the big stamp of approval. He loved it. Oh, that's great. He was very popular. But he got locked up for bad behaviour. though. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wonderful market and very dog friendly. It was very, very good, Doreen. So thank you. Oh, that's great. Well, Well, let's uh, check out. First of all, I noticed over your shoulder there, there's something happening at Terrigal Beach this week. Well, there is. We're off to the beach. So Terrigal Beach markets are on today between nine and three. Support local makers, designers and musicians at the Esplanade on the beautiful foreshore of Terrigal Beach. Mangrove Mountain Markets are being held today between 9 and 3 on the corner of Georgetown Drive and Blood Tree Road. They specialise in homemade preserves, cakes, crafts and plants. And one of your favourites... Pete. The Morissette Showground markets are on, and don't forget that poultry auction. Um, they are on today between 8 and 1. They have many stalls, which include things like artworks and books by local artists and crafts, food stalls and plants. And their poultry auction starts at 
9am. And Pete? Well, it's almost over. Look at oh, the clock here. No, you better I think hurry all those in for battery that. hens you are know, gone. Yeah, I know you need to sort of get in for those uh, fresh, Maybe fresh a few eggs. leftover eggs there. Could be. Could be. Could be. <laughs> oh, it's always good fun once a month at Morrisett. Now, let's turn the page here. Okay. Tomorrow's market story. Okay, back in Terrigal again. So Lions Terrigal car boot markets are on tomorrow between 6.30 and 12. It's being held at the Terrigal Lagoon Reserve, corner of Terrigal Drive and Willoughby Road. There will be a great variety of goods on sale, both new and second-hand, including plants, books, DVDs and fashion and homewares. And Tookley Lions Club markets next to Coles Tookley are on between 8 and 1. Go along and browse through their stalls and grab a bargain or two. Now, tomorrow they will also have a school holiday kids fun day between 10 and 12. So if you're after sort of wearing the kids out, pop along between 10 and 12. Mummy, I'm lost. (laughs) Okay. Now, also tomorrow, Gosford City Farmers Market is on at the showground between 7 and 12. The stalls include local fruit and veggies, free-range eggs and grass-fed meat. There's also rustic breads and deli items, international foods and coffee. And lastly, the Entrance Lions Club charity market is being held again tomorrow between 8.30 and 12.30. It's on in the Denning Street car park. Browse through their second-hand goods and specialty items. It's always hard to keep the markets going through winter. We're in the dead of winter now. Mm. But uh, you found them. You found them. You found them for us. Look for the sunshine. That's it. Coast FM, this has been the Market Report with Doreen. Every Saturday morning, Sherilyn and Pete. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. And time for the property report with Lachlan McDonald from Ray White McDonald Partners. Good morning, Lachlan. Good morning. Now, I was prompted by an article in the Herald recently about the trophy homes in Sydney and the fact that uh, whereas they were kind of associated with the eastern suburbs, they're now looking towards these very high-ranking uh, properties and very high-demand areas around, you know, Birchgrove and that sort of Balmain area. And the thought struck me about the Central Coast trophy homes. Now, I've lived here for many, many moons, and, boy, there's been some amazing development. The quality of homes is just improving over and over. Places like Womberall, uh, Terrigal, of course, uh, Point Frederick. Where are the trophy homes of the coast? Have I got my suburbs right, mate? Yeah, Pete, I think, you know, you're definitely on the, the right track and they're some of the traditionally the traditionally the, the, the trophy suburbs for sure. Um, I think one of the things that's just really interesting about the Central Coast is that it's almost a little bit like what we see in Brisbane and the Gold Coast, whereby the buy-in price, although it's, you know, quite a lot higher than it used to be, it's still a lot less to actually purchase the land um, than it is in, in areas of Sydney. So what it allows is for people to do quite spectacular builds. And you see a lot of these trophy homes in Sydney, and you mentioned for the eastern suburbs, they're very expensive. But some of the homes are quite unremarkable because, Ah, you know, you're spending so much just to buy the land. Yeah. Mm, mm. So, yeah, you you do see that in some of those areas. Pete, I think um, some of the other ones which we often uh, whiz past in the car and maybe – don't pay too much attention to or, you know, they're, they're too hidden behind all the, the greenery is the acreage areas on the Central Coast. There's some quite spectacular homes that uh, unless you've been invited to the, the private party there, you'll never uh, have the privilege of seeing, unfortunately. Oh, now, this is an interesting point because I have on occasion 
uh, visited and they, these have got like six car garages and massive swimming pools, outdoor gyms. Oh, you're, you're, the, you're a man about town, Pete. You'd be invited <laughs> to all the, all the dudes. Been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Underground cellars, all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't have even thought they'd be thought of here on the Central Coast, but boy, oh boy. So what parts of the uh, Central Coast rural tracks have you come across these uh, what we call trophy homes? Well, I, I think people are quite familiar with the Matcham and the Holgates and things like that. But mm. some of the areas that have really, uh, you know, uh, you know, come into their own or people haven't sort of realised that there's been some spectacular builds there, you know, things like Glenning Valley, you know, Pickett's Valley, um, all of those areas that are quite close to the beaches too. You know, there's parts along sort of scenic highway as well where there's just a couple of, you know, incredible acreages tucked away that most people, you know, wouldn't even notice as you're driving by. Um, but the other other areas that I think we often forget, uh, Peter's, you know, over the other side of the M1, um, you know, gee, there's oh, some okay. uh, quite spectacular oh. homes up in the mountain districts there now, you know, where a lot of the, the properties, you know, in times gone by have been more commercial farms, actually sort yeah. of working farms. Or, yeah, tr- or exactly. trick sheds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, there's plenty of them still there, but, you know, a lot, there's been some, some incredible homes built up in those areas over the last uh, number of years. And, and certainly um, for people that are coming out of Sydney looking to get, uh, let's say, a horse property or something with a little bit of a rural aspect to it, those areas are, um, are very desirable. Well, there it is. If you're after a trophy home, who should we talk to? It should be Lachlan, shouldn't it? You know the scene, mate. Okay, thank you, Lachlan. Now we've got a better idea of the the breadth of the real estate market here on the coast. It's quite fascinating. Thank you for your time. Feel right at home with the Gardening Gang. Coast FM 963. Coast FM with the Gardening Gang, Pete and Sherlin for yet another weekend. First day of July today Mm -hmm. and have a great weekend. Mish is coming up. She is. With, with the what's, what's on, on after 10? Mm. What's next week for our Next show? week, Gardens That Heal and Accessible Gardens. Ah, this yes, is one for, for everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>